Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. Every other Sunday, we'll release an episode of the podcast featuring an interview with a business owner in the food industry. From restaurants, to breweries, to bakeries, and everything in between. We ask them about their journey and the process of becoming a successful business owner in hopes of helping others to do the same. I'm Mike Curtin, and the podcast starts now. Welcome to the Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so, so you never miss another episode of the podcast. Thank you for joining us for episode number six of Chew Brewer Stew. Today I sit down with Sean Rawlinson of the Bedford in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Sean gives me a down low of how he tries to stay ahead of the competition, how Yelpers might be a little too careless, and how things have changed since he started in the business. So here it is, episode number six. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, this is Drew Brewer Sue. I'm Mike Hurton. I'm here with Sean Rawlinson, and we're at the Bedford in Brooklyn, New York. Sean, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. That's everything. Good. All right. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the industry? Uh, my background actually was foreign policy, and I got into restaurants via wine. So my wine background got me into restaurants. Uh, I started importing wines, shipping uh, wines and decided I don't like to work for the people, so I decided to my own business to work for myself. Nice. And uh, around what age was that that you started this business? Uh, so I've been in the business, all through college, I bartended. Um, so it's, I've been in the business for at least 20 years now. Okay. Um, but uh, in the Bedford, we started nine years ago. So that was my first restaurant. Right. That okay. was nine years ago. That was the first restaurant you started. Okay. And you have opened the other one since then? I have three. Three now. Yeah. And where are those locations? So I have the Bedford uh, here, Waynesburg. Okay. Uh, I have Roping Sporting Club, which is also in Waynesburg. Okay. And then I have McKenna, which is in Manhattan. Okay. Now, were you in a relationship when you started the Bedford? I was you... not. Um, my wife stalked me here. That's okay. how I met her. Uh, she says she lived across the street and she didn't have a, a new apartment, didn't have a kitchen, but she stalked me. Yeah. Good to know. So did opening a business and having to deal with business and relationship, was that stressful for you? Uh, Making both work together? I think anytime you deal with women, it's stressful regardless. Uh, So the restaurant, the chaos in the restaurant balances things out. When you first opened uh, the Bedford, was the morale of your friends and family, was it good? Morale or oh, absolutely. Like a scary... uh, no, I think everyone expected this step. This right. was uh, an obvious uh, thing that I was going to do. Like it was opening a place wasn't going to be unknown for me. Right. And what what made you pick this neighborhood? Uh, well, nine years ago was it was a little bit of a risk because Williamsburg was not what it is today. Right. I mean, half the condos around here didn't exist. But again, I couldn't afford Manhattan at the time. And you had to get shot on a new neighborhood. Right. And I have one partner, and he was, he knew the neighborhood very well, and he thought it was a good idea. So it works. Right. And how did you go about finding capital to start the Bedford? So all of my restaurants have been self financed, which is probably the dumbest thing I've ever done. Uh, and we basically built these establishments on our own um, right. via construction. Um, Ten years ago in Williamsburg, you get a lot wave a little bit more. Right. Uh, you know, you work during the night. You know, you make sure that the curtains are closed, and you do your own construction. Now you can't do that, but 
then you could. So pretty much everything was done by us or like one contractor. Okay. And when, when you started, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't uh, easy for you. I mean, you said you did bartending before. Yes. But what was one of the hardest adjustments from being bartender to becoming an owner? I would say for me, because I did a lot of research, I had bartended and managed and I had done both big establishments and small. But when I say small, I don't mean a small restaurant. I mean like one owner. So I've gone from a okay. corporate to one owner, but restaurants have been millions of dollars a year. So I knew kind of the ins and outs. Um, I'd say the biggest problem with restaurants is human resources. Um, okay. You can build things the way you want them. You can do things the way you want them. But it's staff. Um, is always the biggest dilemma and that changes and that's changed in the past 10 years more than anything has as far as food or image or customers. Human resources is always the most difficult part of a restaurant. And you say it's changed and how so? Just the mentality of the staff, um, both uh, the way people view the industry, um, the level of talent you're getting and just the responsibility of of basically the rising minimum wage uh labor laws they have changed this industry um immensely in the past 10 years so is that something you would say you, you thought you'd never have to deal with i did or? not see it going this dramatic gotcha. you know 10 years ago the minimum wage for a waiter was two thirteen plus tips. Right now it's fifteen dollars plus tips. Gotcha. And that goes for the kitchen staff. Right. And this this raising tide, people will say, oh, fifteen dollars. Yeah, I get it. If it was fifteen dollars, if they were making fifteen dollars, they should make that. But you have to understand, it's in the kitchen as well. Right. So now, say your dishwasher making twelve dollars. Now he's making fifteen. So your line goes to make fifteen. Says I'm not making a dishwasher. He's 17. What people don't understand is this rising tide all across the board. So it's 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 difficult. It's right. really really difficult now. You seem very laid back. Um, did you have any fears when when opening? Uh yeah. You're you're. Are people going to come? Are you right. open the doors? Uh, what's going to happen? Um, one thing we had. Uh, with Williamsburg being what it is um, in the past 10 years, we had opportunity to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Whereas, say Manhattan, you can't do it. And Williamsburg nowadays couldn't do it because right. we got in early. Our fixed costs were lower. And the neighborhood's very, very transient. Okay. So the customers I had eight years ago aren't here anymore. It's every six months, it kind of resets itself. You have people moving in, moving out. When we first started, we were only farm to table. Um, okay. And that was too much for Williamsburg then. Like now, you see that all over the place. Right. But then people are like, you know, blowfish tails, what are these? That's disgusting. What are these people trying to do? And then we, we changed, became a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> a little more casual. And then we got too casual. So we've, we've, we've kind of evolved with the neighborhood and with what we wanted to do and what we could do. Right. Um, uh, one research thing we had in the past few years is social media. The emergent social media gave us a chance to almost rebrand ourselves. Right. And uh, 
had gone that way very early, and it worked out really well for us. Is that is that your main focus when it comes to marketing, or do you do you try to use other other forms of marketing? We've used other forms of marketing, but I think in today's market, social media is basically all there is. Like, there's no right. old way of flyers or you know placing ads in places. It's really it's really social media nowadays. Um, because with standard press, like magazine press, that kind of stuff, that stuff is basically the first five months you're open, or if you become a celebrity. Right. Otherwise, you're not cracking that market. Um, and just like that, social media was something we got on early. We made some good connections, and it really, really helped the business. Right. Was there a defining moment of success for you? Uh, you know, you said you feared that no. people weren't going to come. No, it was, no. It's every day. You're, you're crunching the numbers every day. Right. And you're like, why are we busy today? Why are we slow today? Why are we busy today? Right. One thing with the transient neighborhood, and uh, it's been different every year. You know, nine years ago, sometimes were the busiest times because everybody that lived here stayed here. Now, neighbors got more wealthy. It's all tourism some of the time. All the people that live here are gone to upstate, to the Hamptons, wherever, wherever they go. So it's been so different. So you really have to. You can't just like coast anymore. You have to really be on top of it and figure out what is going on. Okay. So, it, did you ever experience a, like a slump, sort of, or anything where like people weren't showing up and you kind of panicked? Oh, absolutely. Like, so, for me, <laughs> chef is a four-letter word. Okay. Uh, we went through a lot of chefs in the beginning. Right. Um, so much so that we don't have a chef now. I'm the chef. I create the dishes with my staff. Um, okay. I'm over it. Uh, right. So you went through a lot of that. So, so yeah, there are times you're like, is this guy showing up? We opened the doors today. Yeah. Uh, that happens more than you think. <laughs> like, okay, he's not, this guy's not showing up. We can't open today. You know, uh, are we going to be open in a half an hour, 20 minutes? People don't realize that that is a continuous everyday thing. 10 years in, you're like, all right, he's not here yet. Maybe we're not opening or this. So it, it's never been like, okay. Cruise control. Yeah, sounds like a little bit of. I would. I mean, I feel like I would have a panic attack at that moment if I came and my chef wasn't there. I think you just have to say uh, it's part of the business. You right. know. Right. Uh, you have a lot. You said you have a lot of people now doing the whole farm to table thing. Right. Yeah. How do? You, how would you stay a step ahead of your competition? Uh, if I knew the answer, right. I'd. I'd be doing it. Uh, you try right. to, I try to uh, see what trends are, what trends I see right. um, happening. And uh, one thing with social media, like you can see what's going on around the world in seconds. Right. Um, so I'm, you're not limited to New York. Um, at the same time, things like social media, food network, all these things, people who are in other small cities have the same resources you do now. Right. So you'll see them. And they're doing the same things New York's doing. It's not like you have to be like, oh, I have to watch New York. No. You know, I look at a lot of times for upcoming menus and ideas to Latin America and Australia because their seasons are different. So they'll be on their winter season menu. You're like, oh, that's a good idea for my winter menu. Right. Um, so I just try to stay ahead of everything by seeing what people are doing to grab ideas. I'm not stealing, influence, but. Right. Yeah. So. Besides restaurants uh, in other countries and everything, who influenced you uh, the most in your life? Who was uh, a big influence for you? 
yeah, it was it definitely not uh, like chefs and restaurants. Uh, I guess it's sort of my background was traveling abroad a lot when I was younger and okay. studying overseas, and that sort of European lifestyle is what I felt very comfortable in. Okay. And it was it's much more like New York is like people eat out a lot, they dine, it's casual. Right. Um, so I'd say traveling and experiencing those cultures was probably the biggest influence on me because right. that's the kind of thing I wanted. So when I moved to New York 20 years ago, that was, I was very comfortable. It was like, Oh, New York is going to be so big. And this is this, I guess I'm so neurotic that I need 18 things going on. So New York city actually calms me down Okay, that I find it's very easier to interact here because you could go out to the, the best concert of the year or send your stoop and have the same great night in New York right. city. So you don't have to work so hard to have a great night. You're here. It's going to happen around you. Gotcha. So, um, is there a stressfulness for you uh, being people's livelihoods? Absolutely. Yes. And I think that one thing that annoys me with uh, things like Yelp and that kind of stuff yeah. is say what you want about me. I'm an asshole. I get it. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. But when you are just writing a nasty review because somehow something didn't go your way and you were sitting here and I came to the table, he said everything was great, and then you go home write a nasty review, just make yourself, I don't know, feel better. You're not only affecting me and my business, you're affecting all of my staff. Right. So it's kind of sometimes like, yes, if you have a real gripe and something like that, call the restaurant, talk to the owner, say something. We're in this, we'll, we'll try to take care of it. I don't want you to have a bad experience. Right. You know, it's not that, that's not the issue. Or if you don't like it, great. It, maybe it's not for you. Go somewhere else. It's not an issue. But when people do stuff like that, it, you're, you're hurting the entire establishment, not just me personally or the restaurant. All people that work here. And I think people don't realize that. They're, they're one moment of getting online and writing their review of whatever they thought they experienced. It really does affect people's livelihood. Right. So it's not just your little forum to make people see how important you can be online. It really does affect people's livelihoods. And I think that people, if they understood that a little more, be, be a little bit more realistic. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, you don't, you don't think about that. You don't. And it's, again, I was like, I, it amazes me how many people just like, if you're having a bad time in a restaurant, say something. Our job is not to make you have a worse time. Our job is to fix whatever the issue is. You don't like something, we'll fix it. That's our job. All about the experience here. Exactly. So when people come here, they want to have a great experience. Is Was decor a huge thing before and ambiance a huge thing for you? When Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of almost one of the most important things. Right. Um, uh, if you, you know, almost to the point, like, um, with my partner, sometimes we like, okay, we, we so detail, I'm like, what, what are we doing? No one else is going to notice this but us. Right. Um, but those are the small things that you think no one notices, but then that one or two people notice, and it does make a difference. But, of course, decor, lighting, huge, huge components. Right. Um, for me, I can't tell many restaurants I go to, I'm like, why is it so bright? Why do they turn the lights down? It's hurting my eyes. I don't get it. It's like a cafeteria. Like... So I think decor, ambiance, move, uh, music, all that stuff is, is 
that's a, that's part of the experience. Like you, it's everything. It's you know, it's the way things touch, feel, look. As far as the food, it's like you go to the restaurants for the experience, not just to eat something. Right. So you here? Are you here very often? I live upstairs. You live right upstairs. <laughs> I live upstairs. <laughs> so everyone's like, "Oh, that's convenient." I'm like, "Convenience is part of the word," but I'm always, always here. Right. Yeah. How how important is it for you to take a mental break from everything? Uh, I have my ways. Uh, I don't leave very often, but I do. You know, I I play sports, those kind of things. So those would be my breaks. Uh, I have a dog. Well, my dog just so we get twenty minutes away. Right. Kind of thing, and that's when I kind of that's my way away from it. Gotcha. So, if you had to give somebody piece of advice the best piece of advice you can give that was starting their own place oh man i tell you what again it changes so much uh the biggest advice i can give someone is look at your costs okay be realistic on your fixed costs be realistic of what your best possibility is and your worst possibility a lot of people get in the industry they think okay in six months i'm gonna make this i'm gonna make this i'm gonna make this you can open a restaurant or a bar with an idea of what you want it to be, but the customers actually make it what it is. So if you say, okay, I want to have this cool cocktail lounge, but the neighbor starts coming in because there's a ball field next to it and all these guys come in after sports games, you have to adjust. So the, you have to be willing to be like, it's not maybe what you, your idea was, but you have to figure out how to be realistic and make money. And uh, the last question I would have for you is, would you have to have a funny story of your time in the industry? Something you've experienced? Uh, yeah. But I know I'm putting you on the I spot. Can't, right? I can't put that on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything family friendly? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I think kids will be listening. But. Uh, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, I, look, there are stories. Uh, if you read Kitchen Confidential with Anthony Bourdain, that's how the industry was 10 years ago. Whereas nowadays, it's even some things I do, some like, what's going on? You can't say that anymore. Right. So, yeah, there are funny stories and things happen, but it's not the Wild West like it was before. The things are getting much more buttoned down, much more corporate. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, it was the Wild West a little bit. Uh, it was very like running a pirate ship, some of these restaurants. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's it. No, no real funny stories. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. yeah. No worries. Nothing I put in bread. Well, Sean, thank you very much for, for being with us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Cheers, man. Yeah. Here at the Bedford, Mike Hurton. Here with Sean. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. So that was the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to take something away from that interview as you will with every interview. Special thanks again goes out to Sean Rawlinson from the Bedford. If you're ever strolling down Bedford Avenue in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, definitely drop by. I guarantee you it's 100% worth it. Every other Sunday, I'll be posting a new podcast, so stay tuned. And like I said, subscribe. You'll never miss another episode. Once again, I'm Mike Curtin for Chew Brewers Stew. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.